Arrgh! Farrowings and fellowing seas. Stay tuned as we talk about side world terrors of the sea. You won't want to miss a thing and beware. From her, you bitch! What's blood for, if not for shedding? Hang up the phone! Who is this? Who is that? Dude Horrifying, the podcast to fill your horror needs. Hello, my name's Jake, and this is Dude Horrifying. Today I got with me Matthew again. How are you doing today, Matthew? Better than I deserve. Which isn't saying much. How about you? I am alive. There you go. That's worth something. Today we are talking about Side World, Terrors of the Sea. We had the opportunity to review a film documentary about the Terrors of the Sea from Rubicon Films. And we both took the opportunity to watch it. You can actually check it out right now on Amazon, which I'll put the link in the description for you to go look at. And we're not going to do a full review on the documentary we're going to talk about our experiences with the terrors of the sea our experiences with it while talking about some of the things that are discussed within the terrors of the sea it's broken up into four chapters chapter one is ghost ships chapter two is sea monsters chapter three is spectral sailors and chapter four is mermaids and i think we'll go in order of the chapters and kind of talk about the way that that we've perceived those type of things, what we think is scary about them, if at all, and talk about what gets touched on a little bit in that chapter within the documentary. So starting off with chapter one, ghost ships. What do you know about ghost ships, Matthew? Well, honestly, not much because I'm not a whale. Whale, whale, honestly, not, not much. Not not much, cuz. Listen, oh, partner, uh, I don't know much about I don't know much about ghost ships, but I'll, I'll tell you right now, they're there. No, <laughs> they're uh, there. no, like I honestly, I've never been a, like a big believer in ghosts. And if you were to, but if you if we if you were to say like uh, ghost ships, I could be wrong. I don't know if it's a ghost ship. But the one that immediately comes to mind is the most popular, the Flying Dutchman. Yep, that's, that's one really that... all I know about it. And the weird thing about a ghost ship is what makes a ghost ship, like, how do you, like, later on we'll talk about spectral sailors. But what determines if you're going to be a ghost ship or a spectral sailor? Is it just if your ship crashes and you die on board? Does that is that how you get the honor of having a ghost ship? Like if I die, if I'm if I'm gonna die tomorrow, do I want to be on a ship so that way I get my own ship with with the afterlife too? You're asking the wrong cowboy dog. <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't know. Like all right, all right. Yeah, you're asking the wrong cowboy. Like I mean, whenever I think of like ghost ships, I think of the game Sea of Thieves, which I've never played. That's a lie, actually. I did play it a little bit. But I think of, like, Sea of Thieves or Pirates of the Caribbean or Spongebob. That's where I first saw the Flying Dutchman. The little, 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 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I have to say the same here. The first introduction to it was the green ghostly SpongeBob Flying Dutchman, helmed by Davy Jones himself. He has his own locker on the ship has a sock in it. And that's something that stuck with me for 20, 24 years is the sock in that locker. That was, I guess that shows our age, just how young we are. But that was a good introduction into the story of the Flying Dutchman and Davy Jones. And then uh, in 2004, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest comes out. And that's a version that has a lot of horror elements to it that is put on the big screen. And that, I think, is really what, what made it a massive, massive thing that got spread worldwide is whenever Pirates of the Caribbean took on the Flying Dutchman. Agreed. So correct me if I'm wrong. The Flying Dutchman and Davy Jones is, is it like how it is in, uh, I'm blanking, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies? Is it like the Grim Reaper for sailors and ships? I think so, except it's not coming to claim, like, it is not going to do the action of claiming your soul. I think it's more of a, it makes its appearance, and when you see it, you're cursed, and you you will die after seeing it. Kind of like getting the black spot from Treasure Island, which, to my understanding, you've never seen. That's okay. That's okay. I bet half the audience hasn't either, unless they're over the age of 40 most likely because that's uh that's the age I, I came up with in my brain for that so there's no reason behind it there's no scientific evidence behind people under 40 not reading treasure island or watching it uh i did but i'm weird so whatever a lot of people are probably really butthurt now that you just said that yeah well you know what i'm sorry uh it is what it is i guess uh the 50 people that like to listen and watch just dropped down to 30. Sorry, guys. So, Flying Dutchman's a cool idea. I think it's one of the coolest ghost stories or ghost ships that you hear about. Another ship, even though it's not a real ship, another thing that comes to mind when I think ghost ships, and you you will disappoint me if you say you haven't seen this, but John Carpenter's The Fog from 1980, the uh, Elizabeth Dane is the ghost ship from that movie, and I thought, always thought that was one of the coolest ghost ships that you get to see. Yeah, don't even say anything. I already know. I already know the disappointment that's about to come out of your mouth. Listen, man, you've been a lifelong horror fan, right? I'm, I've only recently gotten into horror because, man, when I watched Michael Myers, I was like six. It was, it was Halloween one, the very first Halloween. I was gone. I had a disrupted sleep cycle. For like three years. Huh. That might be something. Thought. That might be a little something that's coming up in a later episode. Fun fact. So always stay tuned. Uh, yeah, that happens. I mean, you know, it, you, you're not seeing the fog. It's okay. Uh, just if you ever do watch the fog, do not watch the 2005 remake. You're watching the wrong movie if you are. I got to watch the thing first oh yeah that's right i have told you to watch the thing it's on peacock uh selfish self uh, a 
plug, a selfless plug, a shameless go, plug for Peacock because they have pretty solid horror movies on there. They were on to sponsor me, even though I did the complete opposite with Hulu. I'm here for you, Peacock. I'm here for you, too, Hulu, if you're watching. Uh, I don't think anyone should ever sponsor this, because that's not what this is about. This is about talking about horror movies. But let's get back on the subject. (laughs) Ghost ships. So one of the stories that it talks about is John Rivers. He's the right-hand man to Captain Reed. Captain Reed is this this bachelor. He's this, this sailor that gets his bride, and he goes out one day. On the Lady Lovely Bond, I think that's how it is. And they take the ship out to sea, and his first man, John Rivers, well, he's in love with Captain Reed's wife. And John Rivers, instead of just, you know, living with it like the rest of us, because, you know, we all feel really sad that we don't get to be with Captain Reed's wife. He decides that he's going to take a pick, kill the helmsman, take control of the ship, crash it into the Goodwin Sands. And that happened on Friday the 13th, February 1748. Because if you're going to have anything bad happen, it's got to be on Friday the 13th. And nonetheless, the reason why, it's that's just a murder and I mean, uh, the murder of a lot of people. But what makes it a ghost ship is the fact that 50 years later, on the exact date, people were at the Goodwin Sands and they saw what they believed to be the schooner known as the Lady Lovely Bond or Lady Lovely Bone or Lady Lobby Bone. I don't know because I forgot to look it up before starting this episode. Please don't kill me. Well, you ever realize, oh, I'm thinking about it, what was the deal with, like, sailors way back in the day, like, sexualizing the sea? I don't know. I have no idea. You know, you saying that just immediately made me think of Robert Pat- Pat- Pattinson. Holy shit. I sounded like I have a bad stutter. Robert Timmy, Robert Pattinson. Oh, that's not gonna blow we're gonna, real well. We're gonna shoot up this. We're gonna shoot up this. We're gonna shoot up this punk ass blitz. I love that episode. Jimmy, Jimmy, and Jimmy become Crips. Oh my I god! I I love people with stutters, and I'm sorry. We 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 don't we don't dislike people with stutters. I have a stutter myself. I just have to cover it. Robert Pattinson, it makes me think of The Lighthouse and him uh, beating his dick, uh, holding like a mermaid in his hand. And it makes me think. Just straight up having sex with it. Oh, I mean, it's, it's like, a, it's like a, a carving, a wood carving of a mermaid. It was an interesting movie, to say the least. <laughs> what, The Lighthouse? Yeah. Uh, I guess we're going to shamelessly plug The Lighthouse as well. If you haven't seen that A24 film starring Robert Pattinson and William Dafoe, go check it out. Actually, talking about that, that actually makes me want to talk about the cinematography of the documentary. Because part of it did remind me of The Lighthouse because they use black and white and they use color. 
but it's a very artistic style of filming for a documentary. I haven't seen a documentary with such an artistic view in a, quite a while. It's kind of kind of cool to see. It's a completely different take. Uh, and the scenery, though, I, just the shots. There were a couple shots in it where I was like, that looks like the cover of a Pink Floyd album. Like, interesting. Yeah, when whenever you sent me uh, the link to the screening, right? And I was watching the documentary. I had to do a double take. Like, I was blown away. Like, some of these shots were really, really just really good looking shots and a lot of them very along with the music too really conveyed the mood that they were trying to establish with talking about terrors of the sea like there's there's just some shots that you could straight up frame it like those those are some pretty those are some good looking uh good looking shots of film right there yes they are very i believe at one point you see like a, a like a wrecked like wooden little uh, rowboat and then like it's right next to a dock and it's just out looking out into the ocean and they like uh, they mess with the color or the tint or maybe it's all natural and if it is holy crap good good on that but it's just a really eerie and just awe awe inducing shot like that's the one that really stuck out to me personally yeah, it was it was really good cinematography. There was one shot that, like I said, it reminded me of a Pink Floyd album, and it was a man covered in like a seagrass standing out in the ocean. I thought immediately because I'm a big Pink Floyd fan, that's Pink Floyd. But I also thought like, what a good representation of the relationship between man and sea, along with it going in and showing shots of like you were saying. There's like the shot of this person and a giant seashell looking thing. I'll throw a screenshot of that in. And it does look really good. Um, It's just, it's crazy because we're on the same, like we're all on one planet. But when you take like everything on land, like all our nations, all the wars, all the cultures and everything, it's insane because most of the world, like 75% of it, is ocean. And there's a whole different world. There's a whole different just ecosystem and everything down there. And it's crazy because I, I mean, I could be wrong. I think I heard somewhere that we've only explored like maybe 3% of the oceans. Yeah, I mean, just growing like up. the water in general. There's so much. Heard. I always heard that you know we know more about space than we do the ocean. I believe it. That's uh, crazy. I guess it's because it's a lot easier to put a telescope into a sky and see thousands and thousands and thousands of miles beyond. But the ocean, sometimes you can sometimes see really good, but most of the time you can't really see what's lying beneath the water. And I think that's a pretty good uh, segue into chapter two. Sea monsters. Exactly. So let me preface this right now. It's probably my biggest fear. But if you catch me just 
for some reason I'm out in the middle of the ocean. Maybe, maybe I got the Titanic situation going on where I'm just like on a door and I'm just like, you know, floating out in the middle of the ocean. There's no ship. There's no, there's nobody in sight. There's no land. It's just everywhere I look, there's just water. I'm going to use all my strength and all my willpower to snap my own neck. Instant suicide right there. I would freak the heck out. Like I would constantly just hyperventilate and just freak out. I'd lose my mind. That's just me. Yeah. If I was stranded in the ocean, uh, I guess skin cancer is one thing I don't have to worry about because I'll probably be dying soon because they're yeah. sea monsters. I don't understand why people are skeptical on sea monsters. It's something that I think is more realistic and more believable than ghosts or mermaids or anything like that. I mean, yeah. sea serpents, they're giant eels pretty much. They're giant snakes. I mean... You're going to tell me that that it's unbelievable that a giant snake exists or that a kraken, which is, I mean, I know it's an oversimplification, but a giant squid, you don't think that a giant squid would exist? Do you I mean, they talk about big squids get. Yeah, they, it's crazy Massive. that people wouldn't believe it. People, and why would you not believe that a giant squid that could take out a ship could exist? Like, it just, it's weird to me because... You hear these stories about these sea monsters, and they even talk about this in the documentary about people that are skeptical about it. But I think out of all the things, like sea monsters are the most believable. I think so too. Like you have, uh, for example, you have records of the megalodon. Like you, if you have something like that that was around way back when which could still be around who knows but you're I, I can't even put it into words like the possibility is just insane like you have squids like giant squids the biggest squid on the world could probably like be the same size if not bigger than and like a naval ship maybe a submarine which by the way you would never ever catch me on a submarine that that's that's a whole different thing but like we've had a megalodon in the past and you're telling me we can't find like a a mega squid yeah i don't understand it I mean, megalodons, oversimplification again, giant shark, like a sea serpent, oversimplification, a giant snake eel type thing, uh, kraken. It's all oversimplifications, but they're kind of just giant versions of creatures that already exist. I mean, there's a reason that these stories exist. It's not like people were sitting around and... 1500s on their ship bored as fuck going all right guys or i guess top of the morning to you god the british please don't be upset at me i'm not good i'm not making fun of the british just putting this in perspective but they're like top of the morning to you 
boy, do you think that today that we can write a story about a giant squid that attacks our ship? That's not, that's not what happened. What happened was a, a giant squid attacked the fucking ship and it got the name Kraken and that's how the legend came to be. But then you have the skepticals that are like, that's not a real thing and there's nothing to support it. But at the same time, I mean, we don't know enough about the ocean to declare that. Like, especially back then. All know. legends have a base of truth to it. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I just think it's very telling that, I mean, I'm willing to believe Cthulhu is somewhere down there. And I don't know what it says about me that I'm more willing to believe in an interdimensional space deity than, uh, you know, ghosts. But if I was just on a ship in the middle of the ocean, minding my own business, and all of a sudden I see Cthulhu standing over me, I'd be like, well, anyway, shit, I'm dead, or he sucks my souls, or does whatever he does. Sucks your soul. Sucks my soul. Sucks my soul. That that deserves to be on a t-shirt. Sucks my soul. Hey, Cthulhu, why don't you get over here and suck my soul? Cthulhu's like, like bro. Because if you just die, because again, we've only explored like what three percent of the ocean. I don't know. I'm not going to endorse that number. You people, you can go look it up yourselves. It's a low number, though. It could be it's a low number. number. It's it's not high. But uh, but there's so much the, we just don't know. Yeah, it's true. We don't. And I think one of my favorite stories that they talk about briefly in the documentary is about a U-boat, a German U-boat, the UB-85, getting found by a, a British ship, a royal a royal ship, and it had been completely disabled. The crew had already been on top. They've been topside, surrendered to the Royal Navy. And the Royal Navy's interrogating the captain, and they're like, so why are you here? The captain's like, yeah, some giant creature grabbed onto the U-boat and literally rendered it inca- incapacitated. And my men fired at it, uh, thus causing it to retreat. And that's why we were stranded out here. Uh, supposedly they found the ship or the U-boat. Uh, and what happened was the Royal Navy blew up the U-boat and sank it since they didn't want anyone else coming up to it. So they weren't able to determine what actually incapacitated the boat, but I think that it's interesting that not only did the captain say that, when they started interrogating other crew members, they all had the same story of this giant sea serpent grabbing a hold of their gun turret, pulling the U-boat under, thus rendering it incapacitated and unable to be used furthermore. No thanks, man. No thanks. That was a like, World War so One. There's so much we don't know. It's like, like I'm a believer in aliens. Like it's the same concept. Like there's so much to the universe. Like I believe in aliens more than sea monsters. Just really more than sea monsters. Well, it's more than sea monsters because like. There's no, like, footage of it, but I believe it. Like, there's definitely a possibility 
that they are out there. But the universe is so much bigger than the ocean. We know more about that, but we we talked about the civil. We know more about space than we know about the ocean. We. I just, I just think that's a bold statement. Saying I like saying I believe in aliens. That's one thing. But you said I believe in aliens more than I believe in sea monsters. Oh, I believe in sea monsters. Like it's really up there. Aliens are just a little bit older. Just because there's the possibility, I feel like it's so much grander. In terms of like the ocean, just like all all the oceans on the earth, and then the universe itself. But the point is, it's it's the same concept applies. There's still so much that we haven't seen, so much we don't know, and like I said earlier, all legends have a basis of truth. Ah, I'm willing to believe that one of these days. I go out to sea and a sea serpent just comes by and just just murks me. Me and the crew. You and the crew? What? Me and the crew. Me and the crew posted up somewhere and a giant sea serpent or maybe a kraken comes by and runs the fade. That's a a hell of a thought. You know, maybe maybe we should change this from a horror podcast to a uh, to a theory conspiracy podcast. Conspiracy podcast. The sea monsters are actually aliens that crash landed into the Earth in the early 1500s. The Yacht species from the Predator movies have killed all the presidents <laughs> and blamed it on everybody. Dude, Cthulhu is actually he's like no joke. He came from the planet Mars. And his ship crash landed, and it's believed that it crash landed 65 million years ago. And when it crash landed, it it had it looked like an asteroid coming down, and the dinosaurs looked up at it. They were really scared. It turned out it was Cthulhu, and he crashed, and he decided that it's too hot on the surface because he destroyed the surface when he crashed. It. <laughs> Got in the water, cooled himself off, and he's been hiding yeah, there. Hot. <laughs> This shit's hot. <laughs> I'm going down. I gotta go in. Going for a swim. Hot I can breathe down here. Guess the good thing I got gills. Runs into those giant alligator dinosaurs with the basically the giant alligators in the sea. Those ones you see it in Jurassic World. He comes yeah, up and yeah. eats the shark. And he just comes in there and just the, the Mosasaurus. Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he just throws throws an elbow or I don't know, maybe like a little tentacle. Just, and it does whatever. I don't know. And it's through a dark dimension. I have no idea. Yeah. He's an alien from the dark dimension that pre he exists prior to to dinosaurs, but he traveled to Earth 65 million years ago and made dinosaurs extinct. He's actually... Continue. We can actually credit the creation of Jurassic Park to Cthulhu. Think, you can thank us for narrowing down that the real creator of Jurassic Park all started with Cthulhu 65 million years ago. I'm going to research Cthulhu now. Oh my god, dude. I hate myself. People are watching this. They're shaking their heads right now. Like, why do we listen to the, these people talk about documentaries and Cthulhu being the creator of Jurassic Park. 
God. They're going to think, man, I've wasted my time. Why am I still watching? Yeah, they, they probably would think That's that. And we question. haven't even gotten to Chapter 3 yet. We haven't even no. started talking about spectral ghosts. Why would you quit? Why would you quit when you're ahead? Why would you Back, quit? We're halfway through. Just finish now. Yeah, we're, we're just, you know, we're ironing out some of the some of the facts. Because I guess people didn't know that sea monsters are actually aliens. You heard it here first. This is going to be a thing we just, like, spot off some conspiracy theories. At least, at least one every episode. I guess so. That's that's how it's going. Episode four, wow. we talked about presidents getting killed by predators. That's the secret. Here, episode six, we're talking about sea monsters being aliens. Screw it. Spectral sailors. Here we go. Spectral sailors. Look at that spectral sailor. You look real ghostly. You're a ghostly looking sailor. Are you a real sailor? One of the stories they talk about whenever they talk about spectral sailors is Red Eye Jackdar. I hope I said that right. Didn't take notes. This story reminded me of, you guessed it, John Carpenter's The Fog. Holy shit. I wonder if it took inspiration from this. It talks about a ghost that comes, or it talks about a, a sailor. That knocks on this person's house, like shut the whole camera. And the dude ignores it. The dude ignores the knocking. He wakes up the next morning and he finds the sailor that was knocking on his door dead at his footsteps and subsequently trapping that sailor's body at his house. Years later, a woman sees the the ghostly face of a sailor looking in with bright red eyes. And like I said, it reminds me of John Carpenter's The Fog. It reminds me of Captain Blake because he's got those glowing red eyes. You see earlier in the film, there's this this giant fish hook uh, in between the right here. It'd be coming out right here. Giant fish hook knocking on Tom Atkins' door. And I'm pretty sure it took from this. I, I didn't, I've never heard of this story, but as soon as I started hearing about it, immediately started thinking of The Fog and seeing where inspiration could have come from for it. And it's crazy because there's millions of ghost stories about sailors all around the world, all different cultures, all different generations, and they all have unique views and takes on what they're experiencing with seeing that type of thing. Hello? Yeah, I don't know. Do you believe in ghosts? The fuck was what was that? I was just looking I was just looking at the spectral sailor that's on the other end of this camera threatening to kill me if I deny his existence. Is he looking pretty dapper though? Uh he looks like he's on the eternal patrol. He looks tired, like he's been standing watch all day. Sucks. Yeah, maybe you should have thought about that before you joined the Navy. Yeah, you can thank your recruiter. Yeah. So now I don't believe in ghosts. Say it again. But well, I say I don't believe in ghosts, but then 
could have swore the other night. I don't know. I, I, say, I say I don't believe in ghosts. And whenever I turn off the lights in like a room, I run out of it. Like here in my room, when I turn off all the lights, I run to my bed. And I could have swore I saw the, the thing from Lights Out the other day. And I turned my flashlight from my phone. Like, so my mind is playing trick on me. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm just trying to, maybe I'm just trying to convince myself so I don't get spooked out. Maybe, maybe, maybe you need to open your mind up and, and witness those ghosts. I, for one, don't believe in believe in ghosts. If I'm sorry, I want to. I've tried to. The closest thing I've ever come to experiencing a ghost, and it's not even a, a spectral sailor. It was uh, I was at the Hawthorne Hotel in Salem, Massachusetts, and while I was sleeping, my thermostat. Uh, Somehow, magically got set to 98 degrees, woke up in a sweat, and heard children laughter outside the, the hotel room, but, like, not in the hallway, the other way, and I go and check it, nothing there. You're knocking on the door, go and open the door, nothing there. I was like, probably ghosts. But that's the closest I've ever come to believing in ghosts or witnessing ghosts. Ever... Oh, continue, continue. Oh, I was just going to say, as far as spectral uh, sailors, I don't know of any, but I do know some stories. But as you were saying. Yeah, the, the only thing like I've dealt with in my life where it was like paranormal, or at least I was told it was paranormal, was like I'd stay, me, my brother, my mom, I maybe my sister, we'd spend the night. It was like when I was little. But we'd we'd visit my mom's friend. A lot, and we'd like spend the night. It was like one of her friends from work or whatever. It was a female, so my my. I just felt like there was gonna be a lot of jokes, like "Oh, a friend, huh?" Yes, just a friend, a lady. I feel like I need to say that. But yeah, she, my mom, slept upstairs, and then when I woke up in the morning and went out in the living room, she uh was on the floor in the living room, passed out, a uh, phone charger wrapped tightly around her neck. She had scratches on her back, and she was freaking the fuck out. Everyone was, and they said it was ghosts. I think she was probably just drunk. <laughs> it reminds, reminds me of that South Park episode where the internet goes out and Randy, like, it's just a spooky ghost. It's just a spooky ghost. Spectral sailors. I mean, yeah. So we we know ghosts. We've we've encountered our ghosts in land. Uh, it's hard for it to be a spectral sailor, a ghostly sailor, because I think. A few things that are required here is, for one, the ghost to be a sailor. And second off, it's going to have to be in a coastal town or something that's near a port because that's kind of where the sailors are. So, and every time you hear of a story of a spectral sailor, it's not about, uh, you don't hear of a sailor from 2011. Well, that's all fisherman Robert Downs from, from... Cape Beach from that 
trawler crashing in 2011. No, it's always like, oh, that's Robert Captain Old Dickie who crashed ashore in 1853. Captain Jesse Dickey. Captain Jesse Dickey. Crashed ashore in 1853. Met his demise. Arg. That's always the shit that you hear. It's always an older tale, which is why I don't believe in spectral ghosts is because the reason you don't hear modern tales is because they don't exist. They're just tales. Like, if you believe in ghosts over sea monsters, what the hell? I feel like I made a really good case for sea monsters. They're all aliens. But, like, tales. Like, why is... Why is there a cutoff? Like, why do they always got to be dressed like like Victorian era sailors? Why why can't it ever be a modern sailor? Like, why why whenever you hear these ghost stories about spectral sailors, is it always about about red eyed Jackdaw and not like uh, Steve Nance, the the captain of the of the fish stick trawler that goes out every weekend and gets fish so they can make fish sticks for Walmart. It's never about that guy. It's always about about these stories from 200 years ago. Stories. Tales. Tales. Fish tales. You know what has a fish tale? Mermaids. I'm down to move to section four. Mermaids, (laughs) if you are. I reckon so. I mean, how could so, you not with a segue like that? Oh, it's too perfect, right? Well, you know, I never knew. Well, I, I mean, these last few years, I knew, like, mermaids were supposed to be scary. But, you know, my first introduction with them was when I was super little, and I watched The Little Mermaid. And so, you know, before I found out that they were kind of like a like a horror thing, at least for, like, a naval... Uh, spooky story type beat creature you know i just thought they'd they'd just beautiful women i thought one day i'd go to like some tropical resort i go down to the beach and i see two mermaids who look like margot robbie and olivia uh rodrigo just just posted up on the beach and you know serving me Arizona iced teas. I don't. I don't know. But no. I. <laughs> I. Uh, huh? Because I played. Uh, well, I played The Witcher. The Witcher Three Wild Hunt, favorite game of all time. And I could be wrong, but it looks like mermaids and sirens are the same thing. Let me tell you, sirens. Not, not pretty creatures. And then you watch the Pirates of the Caribbean movie uh, on Stranger Tides, number four, with Penelope Cruz. Those those aren't good mermaids either. I think they eat the guys. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie in a long time. Yeah, the movie came out over ten years ago. Feel old yet? Yeah, I do. There, I bet there's a part of the audience that feels old hearing that. Our first introduction to Flying Dutchman was fucking Spongebob. Here we are talking about a movie that's 11 years old. I remember when that movie came out. I remember the I remember the mermaids in that movie. They sang songs and it was evil. 
evil mermaids. A weird concept. Uh, just because, like they mentioned in the documentary, Hans Christian Andersen is the writer of The Little Mermaid, and The Little Mermaid is this depiction of an innocent, good mermaid that has a beautiful singing voice and just wants to be part of the regular world. And we were talking about this off-camera earlier, but The Little Mermaid, uh, the tales of of half-human, half-fish, this is something that I just simply don't believe in. It's a part of this kind of thing that happened back whenever there was different mythologies and whatnot. Because you have the Minotaur, which is half man, half bull. You have the half goat, half man. Uh, You have man, bear, pig. 50% man, 50% bear, 50% pig. Like He's real. He's real. And uh, I just think that the mermaid... Like, I didn't know this episode was going to be me, be about me being s- skeptical of the documentary, which they put a lot of work into. But uh, I just, there's only one thing I believe in, and that's sea monsters. Uh, I don't believe anything about mermaids. I don't think mermaids exist. I don't think tales of the mermaids exist. I think the stories that they tell in the documentary are really interesting. And I think that people maybe believe that that happened. Or maybe people were just trying to get their 15 minutes of glory. They're 15 minutes of fame. But I don't believe in mermaids. I'm putting my damn fist down. The only mermaid I believe in is the Little Mermaid because I saw that on TV and I know that's an animated film. So please explain what a siren or a mermaid is. I don't know. For some reason. So basically, all I really know about them is they were uh, told as like spooky cautionary tales to sailors back in the day that uh sirens or mermaids they'd i think they're the same thing but they would sing such absolutely like their voices are one in a million and they'd sing these absolutely just beautiful beautiful songs i would just like i put you almost kind of like in a state of just awe where everything is just like, feel like you're floating on clouds. And then it either, they'd either try and go towards the sirens and say like, hey, what is that? I got to figure that out. Or they'd like get distracted and they'd crash. The whole point was to get the sailors to get shipwrecked. And then they kind of just come in and take off with the sailors who are dead or maybe some have survived and, do what they want with them whether they eat, eat them, them or do I don't, I don't know what they do with them take their goods take their belongings maybe i just here we are nearing the end of this episode i just don't think uh i thought this documentary was made really well i thought it was really well done and there are horrors of the sea don't get me wrong there's terrors of the sea but the things that scare me about the sea are the creatures I don't know about. It's the, the, unknown. the unknown, the folklore of it. Uh, the ghost ships, the spectral sailors, the mermaids, all interesting things, all interesting stories, but not things that I necessarily believe in. But they are things that other people actually do believe in. And if you do, 
good on you. Like, I, you should be able to believe in what you want to believe in. Regard, no one else should be able to be like, hey, you can't believe in that. That's not real. Unless I say it, then it, then you're not. No, I'm joking. Uh, but Sea Monsters, that was definitely one of my favorite chapters. Hearing about sea serpents, hearing about the different tales that they had going on. I thought that was a lot of fun to talk about. And there is a lot of, like, everything they're talking about is, there is a element of truth to everything in this documentary because it's talking about people's tales. It's talking about what they experience. It's not about whether those tales are necessarily true or not. They talk about it with a, a hint of skepticism themselves, but it's more of a, this is what they claim that they experience. We're going to put this together to talk about this chapter of spectral ghosts. So we're going to put this together to talk about this chapter of ghost ships. But I did find the sea monster be the most interesting. I would love to know more about the different types of sea monsters, the different beliefs of it. Uh, I think that's super interesting. Uh, I think the ultimate horror for me and the terrors of the sea is drowning. I think that's the scariest thing to just drown. Uh, sharks don't scare me. Uh, oh, stingrays do. And fuck a stingray. What you did to Steve, that's messed up. Not cool. I want to see Steve Irwin's kids, like, wear, like, scuba gear and just go underwater and just have, like, a death match with, like, 50 stingrays. Peter just blacklisted this this podcast just now because we're talking about killing stingrays for what they did to our boy Steve. Yeah, but they put down more animals than they actually help and rescue. Oh, spoiler everybody! No, but uh, I'm not concerned about what Peter thinks. Spider Man, I was about to say Spider Man. Stingrays are actually really cool. They're like dogs. They're like water dogs. Their face is always their face on the bottom of them. I don't know. Have you gone to an aquarium where you can pet the stingrays and? Mm-hmm. And you get food, and they kind of look up, and they got, like, this big old smiley face on the bottom oh. side of them. God, I just want to fucking pick one up and cuddle it, and then have it stab me through the heart like it did Steve Irwin. Start talking to these damn stingrays. God, this is where we've gotten. This is where we have put our life at. So, episode six of the podcast. I hope you all enjoyed. Check out Sideworld Terrors of the Sea. Available on Amazon. Matthew here. It's been great having you on. Of course. Always a pleasure. I don't know what next week's episode is going to be. We'll find out. I have some things lined up. I don't know which one's going to fall into place, though. So we'll see. But till then, uh, there's a lot going on. A lot of cool stuff will come up here shortly. Uh, I do have some big stuff coming up personally for me. So I don't know that every episode will be posted every week. I just simply have no idea. But uh, the plan is to see if Matthew will come on for more episodes. And we'll see what happens. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for your likes, comments, and subscriptions. Stay tuned for next week's episode. And until then, stay horrifying, my dudes.